achievers, welcome to Elite Achievement, your go-to podcast for service-based business owners who want to achieve their goals and grow their businesses. Hear inspiring stories from other business owners, learn goal achievement strategies, and overcome the challenges you face when growing your business. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach here to help you achieve your goals. Together, let's close the gap between the goals you set and the goals you achieve. Hey, goal achievers, welcome back to Elite Achievement. One of the most attractive aspects of entrepreneurship is having freedom and flexibility with your time. Yet, many business owners are not able to take full advantage of this freedom and flexibility. Think about it. Would your business still run if you were not there to run it? For many of us, we have a massive opportunity to set up teams and processes so we can focus on growing our business, taking a break from our business, or even stepping away to focus on other passions or initiatives. To help us understand how to do this, I've invited an operations expert to today's show. Ann Hill is a certified director of operations, business owner, wife, and mother. So it sounds like she is doing it all. She is the founder and owner of Hilltop Operations and Consulting, where she has helped entrepreneurs set their businesses up for success for the last 10 years and helps build teams and processes that work even when you're not around to help entrepreneurs find the freedom to choose how to spend their time. I can't wait to dive into today's conversation. Welcome, Anne. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me. I know this interview has been a long time coming. Well, I'm curious, tell us a little bit more about Hilltop Operations and Consulting. What do you do? Yeah, so I come into businesses and really help with that overall kind of back-end management. And we do an analysis of what's going on in a business and deep dive into that. We look at the systems, the processes, and look at ways to streamline and and potentially even automate aspects of it so that the business owner can free up their time. Like you were mentioning, it's hard um, when businesses first start. A lot of times business owners, they do it all. We don't have the option but to do it all. So we just dive in and we do it all. And then as we grow, as we get busier um, and, and have more business coming our way, which is a good thing. There's times when all of a sudden you feel like you've just potentially, if you left the corporate space, potentially just traded a job for a job, except you're working so much more than you were when you just had a job and got to leave it at the end of the day. So (laughs) as a business owner, it's, it's always there. It's all on you and you feel that. And so we come in and we really help to manage the processes, manage the systems, get the business owner set up in a way that they can start to bring on team members and start to just simplify everything for them. That's my business word for the year, simplify. So that's what I I worked on with my coach and I decided I want to simplify in my own business. So I'm, I'm excited to learn from you today. And before we share some of these great tips and strategies to simplify and automate our businesses, I know prior to starting Hilltop Operations and Consulting, you worked in a career as a physical physical therapist and rehab manager. What inspired you to make that transition? Well, for one, I got burnout from the healthcare industry. I kind of like to tell people that I never intended on being an entrepreneur. 
Um, and, and looking back at it, sometimes I wonder if like, I would have known the, the personal growth and development that you go through as an entrepreneur, if I would have done it again. Um, but I think I would have, so, <laughs> cause I do enjoy it. Like you mentioned, was a physical therapist, then became a rehab manager and really managed the department and, and took a lot of that kind of administrative operational role there and had a good awareness just as the building grew as a whole of what was going on. And I had had two kids. One was probably about 15 months old and ended up having a few health issues that um, took him in and out of the hospital a fair amount. I was fortunate that my company at the time was extremely flexible with me. And, you know, sometimes people don't always have that, that flexibility, but I was very fortunate that, you know, they never gave me the pressure of you have to be here, you have to be here. But I, as a manager, <laughs> felt that pressure on myself and just felt like I kept getting pulled away from the job in order to be there for my family. And I felt like it very much was an either or, and there was not the ability for me to fully be present as a mom or fully be present in my job um, at that time. And I can remember conversations with my husband where I was like, there's got to be something else. Didn't know what that was at the time. Um, fast forward about a year later, I had come across a, a program that was about, you know, starting your own business, being a virtual assistant, that sort of thing. I was like, maybe this is maybe this is what I should be looking into. Who knows? And so I decided to take the leap into it. I had worked full time and started my business for um, about a year that I kind of did both. And, you know, with an end game in mind of being able to quit my full time job. And I did that. And once I quit my full time job, um, that happened to be 2020. <laughs> and we all know what 2020 was. So... <laughs> So there was, again, a lot of personal growth and development that came in through that whole journey initially starting. But I, I got burnt out from the healthcare industry, which I know a lot of people do. Um, unfortunately, I got tired of the way insurances were dictating so much of what happens in the healthcare world. There had been a lot of turnover in the um, building specifically in the company and the organization that I was in, in kind of the higher level corporate roles. And then on top of that, I had a child that was needing some additional support at home. Um, and I had just gotten to a breaking point where I was like, something has got to give here. And it ended up being me quitting my job and starting my own business. So, <laughs> or, or going full time in your own business because you were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. It was more of that finally make that point when I quit the my uh, full time job and transitioned more into full time being a business owner. I wasn't even thinking we were going to talk about this, but since you brought up your story and you were saying, I felt so much pressure, uh, you know, I was feeling pressure and it was an either or, I'm so curious to see what is your perspective and on balance? Like, do you believe balance exists and how do we get balanced as a business owner? I think that there is a balance, but it is not like that truly like 50-50 balance. I think that there's always going to be times and seasons when one side gets higher than the other. And it's just how it goes. It's not a right or wrong. It's just, it's life. And so there are times when, yeah, priorities need to be more family related versus business related. And then there's times when that's going to shift a little bit more. But if you're constantly going one direction and not the other, and that there's never that shift back and forth, 
then I think that's when there becomes more of an issue with it. But that true like 50-50 split, I don't think that exists. I think we're in complete alignment. I agree with you because when you say the word balance, we do have a visual of that perfect 50-50 split. And as moms, we know that is just not the case. And I actually wrote my graduate school thesis on this topic. So like years, years ago, And at the time I proposed work-life management because, you know, the type A achiever in me was coming out. And, and, you know, as I've now experienced this whole work life with being a mom and being a wife and having a business, I I think a lot of work-life blend and how can I blend all of my roles together. But I just think that's really helpful for our audience to hear. Like we don't have to strive for that perfect 50-50. It does not exist. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. So how do we as entrepreneurs know when it is time to start putting systems and processes in place? I think it's always time to put systems and processes in place. I mean, a lot of times when we do things in the business, there's got to be kind of like this dry run, I guess, or this like first round of, of things that we do. The first time that you go to a networking event, the first time you have a sales call, the first time you complete a specific project, there's always going to be that first time where you look at it and go, huh, that didn't quite go as planned or wow, that was great. Like I I need to figure out how to repeat that again. So there's always that first time that, that you may not necessarily, I guess I would say have a framework for it, but may not necessarily have a specific like system in place for it. But as you are seeing things that are having to happen over and over and over and over again in your business, like invoicing a client, like having a sales call, like doing networking events, like fulfilling on a specific task for a client, that sort of thing. As you are seeing those things that keep coming up, that's when it's that's when it's really important to look at it and go, oh, okay, well, how do I make sure that client A gets the same result client B does and gets the same result client C does if it's the result you want? If it's not the result you want, that's when you need to analyze it a little bit more and say, how do I change the result here so that we get what we want out of this? I love how simply you phrased, huh, or wow. I think that's such an easy framework. The first time we, we, we do something in our business, do we feel like, huh, or do we feel wow? And I think that that's a really great indicator to help us figure out where to start truly documenting so we can rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Where are some of the most important and critical areas for a business owner to put these systems and processes in place? So you've got, at least I see it as kind of five core areas in a business. You've got your sales, you've got your marketing, you've got your operations fulfillment side, you've got like your HR side. And then I add usually like a client experience side of that too. And so with that, those areas like I mentioned before, whether it's truly like a step-by-step process or whether it's kind of a framework that you're putting together with it, you need to have some generalities in those five core areas of how things are being done. So I usually will start with that um, when I'm working with businesses is get a little bit of that framework starting, like starting to put those things together with them. And then after we've put together that framework, that's when we deep dive a little bit more into the area specific areas that need the extra support and the extra help. So for instance, if it's a business that's a little bit at the earlier stages and sales is really where their focus is, then sales are where we're going to do the deep dive a little bit more. And how do we bring in more leads? How do we convert these sales? How do we do these things? 
And then if their area is a little bit more of the sales and the marketing is working great, but the fulfillment side is more where they're going, we are getting buried here. It's taking forever. We have all of these steps. It's just not working. It's clunky, those sort of things. That's when we start to deep dive more into that area. So every business is different as to where that deep dive needs to happen, but there is a need for those overall kind of frameworks to be put together in all of the areas to have a general idea of what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah, I think that is incredibly helpful. And one of the things I know from client conversations is that a lot of times business owners don't wake up in the morning and feel fired up to do this work. A lot of times they tend to shy away from all the detail work. How do you inspire someone to actually take the time and do this important work? A lot of it is through what I've found, especially with those visionary entrepreneurs, is through having conversations with them. So, you know, I will sit on a call and, um, you know, pull out the information from the client and then do all the behind the scenes stuff with them afterwards, their work and put their processes together. And I don't know how many times I've been on calls pulling out information from clients and they're like, oh, I, I guess I do have a process for this. Like, I thought I just did this a certain way, but I guess I do have a way that I do it that's different than someone else. And so, it's always fun for me to be like, yes, I, I know you have a process. You just didn't know that you had a process. <laughs> so, Yeah, that, that's one of the things I'm working on with my team this year is documenting the things we actually do in, in the various places in my business, because I know it's in my head and it's probably in their head, but it's not actually documented, the standard operating procedure. So we're working on that. All right. So you're working with an entrepreneur, you're having these conversations, you've, you've built the framework, you're documenting behind the scenes. How do we know the processes are working? That's when someone else is able to come in and repeat it. If you've got another team member that can repeat those tasks, you know that, that you've, number one, have that documented well enough that somebody can come in and do it. And number two, you know that it's working for you. That's partly also, though, when you're going through your processes and you're putting them down, there's different phases in business just as you grow. There's going to be times when all of a sudden a certain process that you may have done the same way for the last three years just doesn't work anymore. You've outgrown it or something is, is different with how your structure and your business is now. It's okay to make changes to those processes. Don't feel like they have to be set in stone because it's the way that you did it for the last three years, the last five years. SOPs especially, like those are living, breathing documents. They should be getting tweaked. They should be getting modified, especially as tech changes, because I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I've logged into Zoom and all of a sudden it's doing an update and it's like, oh, that looks different. That wasn't here before. And, you know, so you need to, you need to make changes to technically to SOPs when those updates happen. And, and that sort of thing, especially if you have, you know, different pictures of how things are, or where you click and that sort of stuff, like you should have it matching what it's actually going to look like. Now that doesn't mean that you want to spend every day doing that sort of stuff, but you know, at least every potentially six months or so, just do a quick re review of your SOPs and make sure that they still all match. Um, when it comes also to team members and having somebody else try it, I like to actually cross train people so that people can take vacation on your team and not necessarily feel like they left work for a week and have now double the work that they came back because nobody else did their job during that time they were gone. That doesn't help anything either. So you want the business to continue to be able to operate and the business to be able to continue to run whether it's you as the business owner leaving or whether it's anyone else on the team that's leaving for a period of time, for a vacation, for 
a day off just because we should be able to take a day off. I want to talk more about teams. And before we get there, I have a in the weeds question for you. If we are creating these SOPs or standard operating procedures, do you have a best practice for like where we document them, how we document them? Should it be like a Word doc in our Google Drive or what do you recommend? I recommend when, especially when you're first starting, making it simple. What is it that people are going to use and what is it that people have access to and, and how do we make it to where it's not a challenge at the team to be able to get it. If it's, you know, five steps and three different passwords and having to go in all, all these different places to access it, odds are the team isn't going to look at it. So you want to make sure that the people actually have access to it. A lot of times I will start businesses off with just a Google Doc, start putting it all together, have one like main parent Google Doc that just, or even potentially a spreadsheet that kind of just has a list of all the things that you are putting together in SOPs with links to Google Docs that they can just look at to see and go to when they need it. So as simple as possible, there's technology out there, there's different tools that are out there, but a lot of times it's not necessarily worth the money um, right off the bat in a business to spend on that. I'm sure our listeners are appreciating the word simple continuing to come up in our conversation. And also another thing that I find very helpful is having, especially when business owners are first starting off when they're bringing on team members, is making videos. It usually doesn't take the business owner any more time. It's easy for someone else to get trained on. Is just truly watching you do the task and talking through what it is that you're doing when you're doing it. Then that team member can help put together the document if you want to have that written SOP because they're watching the video and doing it, and they can put together the SOP in the written mm, form. That's an interesting idea because I'm sitting here thinking, I don't want to type all this stuff out. Like, when am I going to do that? But you just record it the next time you do it, and boom, someone else can type it out for you. Mm, nice little hack. Let's talk about team. So we keep talking about teams. When is it time to bring a team member into the business? I like to give um, what I joke around as being like the official like attorney answer is it depends. There are times when it makes more sense. There's times when it doesn't make as much sense. But ultimately, what it comes down to is when you as the business owner, as a solopreneur, don't have any more time. You can't fulfill. You can't say, sell. You can't network. You can't do the various steps that need to be done because you just don't have any more time. So then you need to look at how can I start getting some things and taking them off my plate, especially in the online space and in the online world, typically people will start with like a virtual assistant and have them come in. But after that first layer of support, a lot of times it really truly does depend on the business for what that second layer of support should be. Sometimes it makes more sense to bring somebody in sales wise. Sometimes it makes more sense to bring someone in fulfillment wise. So it truly can vary on the business for that. I actually went in order of the first person I brought onto the team focus and continues to focus on marketing. And my second person on the team does more traditional admin tasks. And I think people often go admin first, but I thought, well, I'll suck it up and keep doing these things for a little bit of time. Let me pour the investment into marketing. So that I seemed, it seemed to work well for me. If you do bring in that potential admin person first, you do want to pay attention to profit margins. You want to pay attention to your business and seeing where is the money being spent because this person is doing this admin work. Am I able to do more sales and make more connections to bring in the business still for the lead generation side 
or do you need to spend the money more on that? Like you were talking about on the marketing side and have somebody doing that lead generation there so that you continue to fill the pipeline. Because ultimately, if you're bringing on team members, you do need to be aware of profit margin. It's not all going to you anymore. It's going, some of that operational cost has just gone up. Um, so you want to be paying attention to that side as well and making sure that even if it is an admin person and that person is just giving you time back, which is a great thing, um, you want to make sure that that ROI that is still there. As you bring your team members on board, what are some of the biggest mistakes you have seen entrepreneurs make? We could probably do a whole show on this topic alone. Well, yeah, there is definitely the, okay, I hired you. Now I'm wiping my hands clean and you are doing everything and I'm not going to touch it. And you just should magically know what to do. There's that mistake that I see. And then there's also the the mistake of, okay, I hired you. I know what I want you to do. I'm going to spend some time training you, but I'm still not going to let go. I'm still not going to let you do it. And I'm going to continue to take it back all the time. I've seen that as well. And then uh, I would also say there's the people that they will hire someone and kind of have them sitting there ready to go. They just don't know. Like they just don't really know how to communicate with them on what they need. They don't know how to assign things to them. There's just a lot of, I don't know. I don't know what to do with them now. That is something that I find probably more often than not that they just, they feel like they just don't know what to do. And so then the team member doesn't know what to do either because they're like, well, do you want me to take this off your plate? Do you want me to do this part? Where else can I help? And so then the business owner still feels like they haven't saved any time. They haven't been able to go do anything else because they're still working extended hours. And then the team member is just basically being paid for not doing anything. Yeah, One of the things I did before I brought my first team member on board is I literally wrote down what are all the things this person can help me do. And and that's one of the things I encourage my clients to do is when they start talking about hiring, it's like, first of all, okay, why are we going to hire? And then what is that person's role? And what are their key responsibilities? Because I, I think sometimes too, as business owners, we're often looking for the quick fix. So we'll grab a job description from someone else. And it's not what your business needs. It's like, you need to take a little bit of time and just think, what are the tasks that drain me? What gives me energy? What could I delegate? And and start putting together and personalizing it for your business. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I have also seen, in fact, another mistake I would say is that business owners tend to network with other business owners. And so it's like, oh, I need some help. Does anybody know of a good VA? And so then they'll say, yeah, I know of a good VA. You know, they'll get three or four names of people. They'll talk with them and be like, oh, I know you do this in this person's business. So I'll have you do that in mine. Two different businesses does not mean that things should be operating the same way. Doesn't even mean that they're the right fit, even culture wise for your business. They may not have the same values that you do in your business. And so they may not align there. That's actually another area where I see a lot of people challenged with their hires and their teams as well as because it's not necessarily that the, the team member isn't skilled. It's not necessarily that the business owner isn't skilled. They're going to continue to butt heads. They're just not the right fit. There's not that value alignment and there wasn't that right understanding from the beginning of what was supposed to be delegated and what was truly needed in the business. I love that you brought up value alignment because one of my beliefs is that if your values are aligned, there are no obstacles you can't overcome. But if you don't have value alignment, it can be really, really challenging and the importance of those clear expectations up front. 
let's say you've taken the time to build out the clear expectations. You've got your team member on board. You've started to delegate. You, you grew the courage to let go and say, it's okay if it's not done exactly the way I do it. 80% is good enough. How do you as a business owner hold your team accountable to the task you need them to do? So some of it is through that communication, truly, of knowing what needs to be done, when it needs to be done by. And some of it is as, as the business owner, you truly being the leader, you know, supporting your your team, checking in with them, seeing what it is that they need and how they can be best supported to complete what it is that you are looking for them to do for you. There very much is a difference between the delegating and dictating and telling somebody what to do versus that, hey, here are the tasks. This is what we've got set up. This is what your skill set is. I want you to run with it and do it. And then checking in with them potentially two or three days later saying, hey, just checking to see how are things going? Do you have any questions? Did you understand what it was that I was asking for? And truly supporting them in what it is that they're needing or you're needing them to do versus just dictating it to them and then being upset when they still have questions and they're checking back. I'm so glad you brought up understanding. That is one of the biggest challenges I hear about in a lot of coaching conversations. And I often wonder if it stems from the business owner not being clear. And, And I've even seen this too, Anne, in my own business. Like I think I'm really clear. And then I get the result back and I'm like, oh boy, I did a terrible job describing what was going on in my mind. So how can we as business owners do a better job clearly communicating the task, the project, the the expectations so our team member can understand what we're looking for? One way is to have the examples of things. So like where we were talking even at the beginning of, you know, making a video of, of something, show them, show them some examples of things that you've done in the past. Make sure that you've given them the process of how something needs to be done. Another part of it is in the communication of, okay, Here is what, um, you know, you're in a meeting, you're going through your list of things, and then you have your action items and stuff, and then checking in with them afterwards and saying, okay, now you tell me, I just want to verify that you understood this and that we're on the same page. What did you hear out of this? And make sure they're running through the same action items, same checklist of what you have. One thing that I did want to mention that, that you did mention when you were talking that I see business owners do a lot too, is that we very quickly will say, it's my fault. I did something wrong here. I didn't explain this well enough. It, I must have not been communicating this in a good way. Sometimes it is the team member's fault too. Don't always think that it is always your fault as the business owner. There are times when that just isn't the right fit for your business. It isn't the right fit for you. And no matter how many ways you try to explain something, no matter how many opportunities you give them, They just may not be the right fit. And that is okay to also understand that too. It is not always the business owner's fault when there is a miscommunication. I appreciate you pointing that out. I know I do it. I did it here right in our conversation. I'm like, oh, it's me. It was totally me. And I do believe in my heart, my team members are absolutely the right fit. So I think in that one situation, it was it was likely me. But I think that's a really important point. Do you have any recommendations if you find yourself in that situation, you continue to communicate things, they're not getting done the right way. There just isn't this level of understanding. Like, what do you do as a business owner? If you feel like they are the right person and it's just a matter of training, then there is that need for potentially just giving them a little bit more support, a little more guidance, a little more training, potentially even spending some time where you're doing kind of a co-working type 
time session with them where you're, you know, running through it, but you're having them truly do the work. You're just kind of watching to be like, oh yeah, I see where you're getting stuck here. This is how I would be thinking it through and talking that through with them. And then there also is the one thing that I want to point out is a distinct difference between like if it's an employee versus if it's a contractor, because if it's an employee, there are going to be just those HR needs of truly, you know, documenting the training, documenting the things that you're having issues with, documenting the communication as the business owner. You want to make sure that you are keeping tabs and keeping good documentation on it when it is an employee versus if it's a contractor, you know, you look at the contract and you say, you know what, things just aren't working out here. How about we either cut ties or how about we do this instead or, you know, whatever you need to do on the contractor side. There's a lot more flexibility there. And what would you say is one non-negotiable that every entrepreneur or business owner should implement to optimize their efficiency? I think one of the non-negotiables I would say is really to make sure that you are creating processes that don't rely on you. So when you are building out your business, always be thinking in the back of your mind, how can I set this up in a way that somebody else can do it? Because if you build your business in a way that it always relies on you, then you're never going to be able to truly get that time freedom that we were mentioning at the beginning and truly see the benefits and the perk of being the business owner and the CEO in your business. All right. My final question for you. What is one action that every listener can take today to start gaining more control over their time? Do a time study. I know you were mentioning that's something that you frequently have clients do too, is really keep track of what it is that they're doing and what others could do that's on their plate. Um, I have a time study that I do with the clients I work with that it's set up for five days, but in, in reality, I'm lucky to get a business owner to do it for one or three days. But it truly does capture where time is being spent. And then we I have different categories that it'll kind of break it down into where you're seeing. Is it personal time? Is it wasted time on TikTok? Is it time spent with your kids? Is it time on um, putting out client fires? Is it, you know, very, so it'll specify where are those areas where a lot of your time is being spent and then you get to look at it. And when you keep track, kind of like, I think we were talking about a little bit at the beginning, when you're keeping track of something, odds are you're going to be able to really see what's happening and what's not happening. And you're holding yourself accountable to how you're spending your time. So to truly get that time freedom, you need to first see how are you spending your time and then see what needs to change from there. That's excellent. And I, I bet that would help our listeners also figure out more tasks to delegate away to their team members. Yes, definitely. And this has been a ton of fun. You have provided us with some incredible insight and ways to streamline our businesses and create processes. And I love the framework you shared of having a process in sales and marketing, operations slash fulfillment, HR, client experience. I think that's a really great way to start and how you encouraged us to make this simple have a document and the document is in a place where people will actually use it and they have access to it. And so I think that you've given our listeners a lot of great ways to grow their businesses here in 2023. With that, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the work that you do at Hilltop Operations and Consulting? 
Yes. So my website is probably the easiest way to try to check out more and potentially even, you know, set up some time. There's a free consult that anybody can do on there too. Just click on the button for that. I do have a hiring playbook that you're welcome to, you know, check out and download as well. If you are at a stage where you're looking to hire people onto your team, it'll walk through this variety of steps there interview questions. It'll walk through some things, job description wise, all of that sort of stuff. My website is hilltopoperations.com. Fantastic. And we'll make sure to link that hiring playbook here in the show notes. Sounds great. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. With that goal achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on goal achieving and business growing wisdom. If you want my best goal achieving tips and a monthly reminder to check in on your goals, join my email list at kristenburke.com. 